still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat at the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm delighted this week to be joined in person by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, it's nice to see you again. How are you? Very good, mate. Yeah, it's nice to be nice to be back in person. Strange to think that we used to we used to do this every week, trek over to to, to see you in your old place in Bath and and, and get around the microphone, but obviously Zoom and, 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 and such thing making that making that a lot easier. But yeah, no no replacement for being back in person. No, and our microphones are somewhere, um, somewhere in Bristol, some dusty corner in in, in, <laughs> in, in, in some, somewhere in Bristol. So I think yeah, apologies for our um, reduced sound quality. But yeah, great to be back in person, Tom, and and, and great to be. Apologies for our reduced sound quality for the last. <laughs> Two or three years. <laughs> well, yeah. So, uh, yeah, great to see you, Tom, and, and plenty to talk about this week. Two Bath games since we last got round the microphone and some signings and exits for the blue, black and white. Um, you were, in, in true hardcore supporter fashion, in attendance at a very wet wreck on Wednesday evening. So why don't we start there? I was not able to make the game and, and obviously unable to watch the game as well with it not being broadcasted. How was the how was the, the day, uh, the evening at the wreck? Very wet day, very wet evening as you say. <laughs> I was on the yeah, I was on, on, on the train down from, from London straight off to work, thought, you know, nice, nice sunny, sort of balmy evening in in Bath would be would be just the ticket. We we turned up and it was it was true rugby conditions, wind and kind of sweeping rain. You know that sort of sideways rain, which means that okay. even if you could kind of cover up in, in in a road towards the kind of top of top of the stand, which everyone 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 flocked to, you still kind of got got a bit of spray. So yeah, not the not the best conditions didn't make it easy for a lot of the a lot of the young guys out there. And ultimately, we 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 gave away a, a seven nil lead. Um, you know, Worcester rallied quite well in, the, in that in that second half, but you know, ultimately it was it was one of those we got a lot of a few guys coming back from injury, blooded a few guys that we brought in in recently, Jordan Venter, for example, and then it was really nice actually. There was a there was a really good Bath University turnout in the in the stands, and quite a few of the guys were making their 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 debuts for Bath, who not not currently with Bath, but 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 off the bench. So guys like Archie Stanley, Jasper Spandler coming off the bench, um, Kieran Burden, also a, a, a Bath Bath Uni guy, Mackenzie Graham, the back row as, as well. So yeah, there was a lot of a lot of excitement for for those guys, and it was it was nice to see them them get support for their for their first games mm-hmm. for Bath. What was the attendance like? I imagine a few people put off by um, the weather on the evening. What was it like? <laughs> Pretty good, I think. Yeah, there were there were a few sorry looking souls stood out in the in the Thatcher stand, which looked pretty pretty bleak in their cagoules. Um, everyone kind of flocked to to kind of the main the main permanent covered stand on by by the riverside. What's that stand called again? The riverside. The, the riverside. Yeah. So everyone kind of flocked there, and the stewards kind of gave up the ghost with trying to get people in their seats and let everyone kind of cram up into the into the into the covered area so yeah it was pretty good attendance probably if I had to guess maybe maybe five or six thousand mm. so not too bad for a rainy a rainy premiership cup 
Cup day against Worcester. And as I say, the the university crowd there was certainly kind of kind of bringing the noise. Um, give us a name then or two, Tom, that you took out of the the performance. Obviously, ultimately a defeat. I think the final score was seven points to thirteen, which. Yeah, it doesn't on paper look like a, a fantastic performance from Bath. But was there someone that that you managed to to glimpse through the rain and and think of a, a brighter Bath future for them? Definitely, I think the, the the guy the guy that stood out for me was was Ethan Stadden coming mm. back on the the blindside flanker. So he's he's had a, a bit of trouble with with injury, but he's very very well thought of. He's been involved with with England through through age group. And it looks like he's he's kind of come back from that injury spell, and he's he's put on a bit of weight. He's got his kind of man strength there a bit. I think he's only only twenty years old, and he he looks a a proper unit already. He was he was going he was he was flying about, putting in some putting in some some decent hits, almost kind of Sam Underhill wow. level chop tackles, and getting over the ball nicely, carrying nicely. So he looks he looks he looks a a, a proper player, and, and and looking forward to. To seeing him get a more kind of more permanent run out and and hopefully come through for for the Bath first team, the other guy I would I'd, I'd probably mention was Harry Casson in the in the lock shirt. He's come across from Ealing. He's a little bit older, I think thirty thirty one. He came over as kind of as a short term injury cover, and he looks kind of a hard nosed, you know, classic championship. Uh, you know, type five player, and he just he signed was, one of them as well. So yeah. that's obviously what we're looking for. <laughs> and he was he was he was putting some good shots as well. So um, yeah, I think those those two kind of stood out in the through the rain. Yeah, fair play to you, Tom, and fair play to the the what five or six thousand Bath fans that were able to make it. Um, and hopefully, some of you are listening and enjoyed your evening. Before we get into the rest of the podcast, and we're going to talk all about Bath second defeat of the week at Exeter and then the signings that have gone on and then try and explain who we might face in the European Challenge Cup when we do. Tom's done some working out of that. Um, watching that in live time before the podcast was, was a fascinating watch. So I'm looking forward to the results of that. But before we get into all that, we'll just ask you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media at Bath Rugby Plug. And most importantly, as I always say, please do share with your mates. Um, but Tom, let's get into the Chiefs game to start us off with. Um, and you've been keen, I think, to discuss the team selection of the game um, before we kind of get into the details. So why don't you you, you take us through your thoughts on, on, on the team that was selected on Saturday? Yeah, well, I was, I was very optimistic when the, 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 the team selection came out, actually. Obviously, some key guys, I think, coming back. Some guys that, as Bath fans, we've been we've been waiting to see get get you know start from the from from the beginning in the actual fifteen rather than come off for, for cameos off off the bench. So big big Joe Thock and Seager, obviously. Mm. So his first start of the season. Orlando Bailey back in for for Danny Cipriani. So I'm sure you would have <laughs> you'd have been pleased to see that. G and then obviously Charlie Yule's another guy who's had time away for for for, for a ban for the high tackle against Ireland. Will Stewart back into the fifteen. Tom Dunn. Albeit a late replacement coming in, um, and his 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 first starts his first start since Boxing Day. So, yeah, I felt felt quite encouraged by the side we put out. Doesn't that seem to happen almost every week at the moment that that someone is mm. replaced late? It seems I I I wish I'd gone back now and looked at, at, at Twitter and looked at the bar yeah. the feed because it seems to me like it's every week and I really don't know the explanation. There was actually two of them on on Saturday. I think Rocket Aguni pulled yeah. out and Will Muir came into to the starting at 15. So 
yeah, it seems strange that they, that they get so close and then and then um, pull out in the, in what appears to be the warm up or just before. It seems to be happening, you know, way too regularly. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's actually quite a key player as well, isn't it? So Tom Dunn, I mean, having not played in three months, to then expect him to basically do a, a full eighty minutes to obviously orchestrate that line out, and you know, we can we can kind of come on to that. But I remember the other one that stands out for me is when I went to to Franklin's Gardens. And you saw Josh McNally mm. warming up, and then five minutes before he he pulls out. And I think he was even named captain for that day. So it's not just been you know a front row forward who's touch and go, and they can they can bring a guy off the bench who's ready to go. It's been yeah, it has kind of been some some fairly some yeah, it's happening too regularly. A little bit of homework really? for you for the supporters there. Go back and trawl through the Bath Rugby Twitter feed and find out how many games that's happened this season. Because yeah, strikes me Tom as as kind of way too often and it really can't help the, the, the disrupt kind of the it really must disrupt the team um, I don't know where you watch this Tom but I attempted to watch it on Premiership Rugby TV for the first time unsuccessfully oh no so yeah I have written a, a, an email to them which I'm waiting to hear back on so strongly worded and, was, and wanting your 499 pence back <laughs> I really do want it back because yeah it was not well spent unfortunately I was well fortunately I was able to um Locate. So you, other what, you, you still watched the game. I did. Manage she to. must have really rushed down to to Sunday Park then. In that case, it wasn't. <laughs> I don't think it was televised. Well, no, it was uh, conveniently placed in, in on the motorway, which meant that yeah, once you kind of get on the motorway, door to door, it's pretty quick. Just nip off as well, don't you? And you're, you're right there. Exactly. Fill yeah, up, exactly. And then you're there. <laughs> exactly. Um, Bob, Tom. Uh, Chiefs had won 10 of the last 11 in the Prem, and I don't think we'd won at Sandy Park since 2016. Um, and, and and obviously in the end we we fell pretty heavily in 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 this game forty two points to twenty two. When you turned off your, your your legal Premiership Rugby TV stream on Saturday afternoon, what was your overriding emotion? Oh, it's a, it's an emotion of it's become all too familiar really because I think in parts in that game we can be really pleased with the the, the um, rugby that we played, particularly for that first uh, 30, 35, 37 minutes or so. And I think we are definitely showing clear signs of improvement in all aspects of the game. And we can, well, I think particularly in the with, with ball in hand and attack, and we can kind of come on to talk about the tries. But it's that same kind of familiar empty feeling because ultimately we let the game get away from us in the last 20 minutes. Extra were very, very good at doing that to sides. But ultimately I felt, felt that we put so much into that first half that we, we, we really ran out of steam. And I think fitness is a big issue. Oh. I think... Some of the some of the set piece really continues to to let us down, but yeah, clear improvements. And I I came out of it feeling feeling fairly positive. You know, that was a crucial game for Exeter to win. And ultimately, although we're kind of you know trying trying not to finish bottom and, and chasing our pride, it's or, or trying to get some pride back. It's ultimately a, a dead rubber for us. And I thought, given that the the effort and the application that the the, the players showed for for most of that game, I thought was. Was, was really outstanding. And I thought at times we looked desperate. At times we looked like there was almost relegation on the cards because mm. we were really going for that game. So, yeah, mi- mixed emotions for me. Yeah, I wonder whether kind of it being a dead rubber does almost allow us to, to, to play a little bit more more freely and, and whether if we were fighting relegation, <clears> we, we wouldn't be having such positive results. Mm. It'd be interesting to see how this group would react to that. Clearly, we're not going to see that this season or, or possibly for another couple of seasons. But, but see, some of the some of the mm. some of the defence as well. I some mean, of that, the defence. Yeah, I think that some some of the I mean just start up with this then. I think Sam Underhill 
oh. was just outstanding. Mm. And he he's been he's been outstanding for the last couple of months. I mean, he's he's got back into the England squad, fully deserves his his place in that. And bearing in mind, you know, a month or two ago, we were talking about repeated concussions. We were talking about a guy who we might get, like there was an announcement the Davis, the Welsh scrum half this week, to say that he had to retire from immediate effect mm. concussion. That could have been Sam Underhill. Mm. And so to, to, to go from that to a position now where he's back to his old hulking self when he's just marauding around the, 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 the ground, absolutely monstering people. Mm. He's m- monstering people. <laughs> and, you know, Stuart, the Stuart Hogg one, yeah. when he caught the ball and everyone was like, oh, what a great take. And then he just gets folded. Yeah. Cheap, cheap deck chair style. And it's great. Every shot's dominant. He looks interested at the breakdown. He's carrying hard. He's running on shoulders. He's offloading. Mm. I thought he was just outstanding. And it's that kind of, it's that kind of effort, uh, ultimately, for a futile cause that I love to see. Mm. I'll let you speak now. Yeah, no, well, I, Sam Underhill's defensive performance. Passionate. Sam Underhill's defensive performance was, was passionate, and Sam Underhill's defensive performance was was really, really good. I, I thought some of the, the other ones, particularly in, in the second half, just, just simply weren't acceptable, and we'll, we'll come on to that. But yeah, he, he was absolutely outstanding. And, and you can see, unfortunately, in that, in that sort of performance, why he does get concussion issues because he kind of launches himself torpedo style and it's like you would describe that as absolutely perfect technique but if you get that kind of slightly wrong and your head ends up on the wrong side of a knee or a hip that's when when you get all of your your issues issues as a tackling player not as the actual kind of tackled player which which is obviously what they're trying to do with, with the reduction of, of height of tackle so yeah Sam Underhill was, was absolutely fantastic in that first half and I thought Bath in attack in particular, were really, really good. Um, you know, the game was extremely, extremely open. Really exciting game to watch. So the first five minutes, I don't think there was a breaking play in that in yeah. that whole five minutes. And both teams would be disappointed that they didn't score in that first five minutes. You know, I think Muir made a break on the on, down the left-hand wing for Bath and he couldn't get it to the Glanville. And Orlando Bailey put in, you know, an absolutely incredible try-saving tackle on the yeah. line. Um, and I think Exeter probably could have scored a couple of times in that first five minutes. But but that pace of the game kind of continued throughout. And, and I think that really did cost us in the end. But yeah. but it was a great watch. And some of the performances from, from Bath backs, I thought, were, were really, really good. The two wingers, Big Joe and, and, and Muir, fantastic. And, and I thought Bailey was, was, again, just at the heart of it, controlling things so nicely. I thought he looked, looked really assured in, in, that first, in that first 37 minutes, which I think was, was, was when Bath arguably played their best stuff of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the last the last few games really we're starting to play some some really good stuff in attack. Brian Davis um, at the door. Particularly in <laughs> particularly in <laughs> We found that we found the maybe, you know, attack coach. Maybe the shackles are off. Maybe there's there's obviously as, as you like to say a Cipriani impact. <laughs> with, you know, not having a defence coach, maybe he's been given been given the reins. I know you'd be be supportive of that obviously. But I think what I really like is the offloading game. <laughs> What I really like is the uh, the offloading game, and I think the handling in general has really improved as well. The the number of drop balls is way down yeah. from where it used to be, and you get back rowers now, and this is what we'd be desperately missing with Underhill away, with Josh Bayless away earlier in, in the season, and with internationals Falatel obviously not playing. Guys going through the line, offloading, having confidence to to carry. Will Stewart, I think his carrying game's come on really well mm. in the last few months. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned the backs and couple of couple of nice tries, tries for Thok and Asiga again. Um, he's had a few run-ins since he's been he's back. Playing well, he? though, mate. He is. He's, he's, he's playing, playing well. well. But he's, he's in and around the breakdown with Spencer, 
looking for work. Like Flaherty does it so well for um, Exeter. Soon to be sale. Yeah, and, and I thought that Big Joe was, yeah, I thought he was kind of starting to do that a little bit. I, th- I think he, and he, he kind of holds the ball and you think, don't, yeah. don't. But that yeah. I think is a good sign of confidence for him. Yeah. It, when he's got the ball in one hand, like it's kind of, you know, a, a tennis ball. And he's he's looking for offloads. He's looking to find angles around the back of tacklers. Yeah, I like that little bit when um, I think it was Bailey chipped through, and he nearly got on the end of it, and he just got one foot out in touch. I would have loved to see him him latch on the end of that. Oh, flat! He tried to beat him around the outside a couple of times. Yeah, he we know he's very quick, and he managed to get him down by by hook or crook. So yeah, I agree. He's he looks to be he looks to be getting back into his work. So just touch wood and keep everything crossed that he. He stays fit in, through the end of the season and into next. Mm. Yeah, and the kick chase as well. You know, Underhill at the heart of the kick chase was was outstanding. Like Spencer putting up putting up dimes and and yeah, the, the, controlled that battle really really well. The other battle we controlled Tom was the scrum battle. Um, and I think a guy who we've been really excited about in Valerie Morisov had an absolute outstanding yeah. thirty four minutes. Uh, I think he won three three scrum penalties against um, against Schickling. Uh, the extra young tight head and yeah that that area in particular was 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 really dominant and kind of attack attacking fluency good kick chase dominant scrum and one penalty conceded that was up yeah I'll stand you know. I think on the scrum as well so Morozov's obviously starting to starting to probably is he going to find his way into that? sign him for another deal I think so yeah I think I fully fully expect them to do that one thing a point that I think was interesting that was made on on commentary by, um, it was David Flatman, wasn't it, doing the commentary, mm. was that Morozov's quite a tall prop, so I think he's about 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, mm. So if he, extra were kind of trying to cramp him for room, which obviously means it's hard for him to him to get lower. So I think when he allows himself a little bit more space, he can sort of obviously get all that power going through in one straight line. I think the other thing that really helps in the scrum is having two kind of heavyweight second rows back. I mean, Will Spencer and Charlie Ewells, that's giving you a lot more go forward than... A Ewan Richards, Tom Ellis, a Ewan Richards, Mike Williams, you know, seventh, eighth choice. Ewan Richards, Richard de Carpentier, yeah. um, second row. So that 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 definitely helps as well. So the second rows were doing something. I think so. Yeah, I think they, you know, heads heads down and push. I think was uh, all about all they did um, potentially. The other guy, just for when, when we're talking about the attack, and we've mentioned injuries, but a guy who's just been breaking ankles all around the the Premiership mm. is Josh Bayliss. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> no, it was. Uh, yeah, it was Hendrickson. No, it was Sam Maunder. Oh, because they said Maunder on uh, commentary. I, 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 oh, and, oh, then, and, and then when I saw the replay, I think it was Hendrickson. Anyway, whoever it was, they've they're, they're on crutches now because he's he obviously did Freddie Burns earlier on in the season. I like to like to make sure that that's that's on record. Ding. And then and then uh, <laughs> and then yeah, amazing, amazing feat. He's he's so dangerous, isn't he, with a bit of space? Yeah, really good performance from him. Nearly got to half time, Tom, with, with what looked to be quite a comfortable lead to be 22 7 up on what was it, 35 minutes? 37 uh, uh, And then to go in only one point up. Pretty frustrated text from yourself came through, uh, and a pretty frustrated tweet came out from the podcast account from yourself when that happened. That is just an absolute killer. It's just shocking. It's. it's... It just annoys me because we give away so much hard work so easily. And the first try, I mean, it's a it's it's a nice break. You felt like there was a you know a line break coming, and and Stuart Hogg sees the space, and it's you know it's a, it's a decent try. I don't think you can have too many complaints about that first try. 
The one that really annoys me is that second one, and the one that will really annoy the players and the coaches because we kick off, we 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 hold on to the ball. It's one phase that we have to take. It's ten seconds before half time. Arthur Kulbo's on for Morozov his HIA, and you know what referees look for in that scenario. They 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 want to give a penalty for sealing off first phase straight off your feet. Give extra the penalty in our twenty two and let them just drive over. That that you know they may still have won the game because we may have run out of steam, but. That kind of felt like the match a little bit there for me. Yeah, yeah, it was an absolute killer. And, and uh, what frustrated me was I don't think we could possibly play that well for thirty-seven minutes. You know, I think I don't think I, was in, I don't think we could play any better than what we played for thirty-seven yeah. minutes. And yet yeah, to, to kind of gift it all away, they scored the, the first. They scored quite early on, and then scored towards the end. And and in that middle period, we were fabulous. But at the end of the day, the scoreboard didn't lie, and to be only one point up when we only conceded one penalty. You know, I can't imagine that they'll, they'll ever do that again this season and, and going forward. So that that was a massive shame. And, and and in the second half, Tom, as we moved through, it did almost have an inevitable feeling that that the Exeter were going to start to to run away with it. And 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 a combination of a few factors in my mind were were the were the reason for this. Uh, and I think the first one was just the fitness levels are yeah. not are not good enough for a number of those. A number of those players, and and that unfortunately is something that requires no skill, and 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 should be a prerequisite. We should not be clearly, clearly less fit than the other team in any circumstance in Premiership rugby, and that was just so blatantly the case. And and that means then it has that knock-on effect of of missed tackles and ill discipline, and a scrum going back, starting to go backwards, and a lineup not functioning just because they're not fit enough. And I think that combined with injuries to key players, so Morisov and De Glanville, who were two of the best players on the pitch in that first half, and then the replacements that that, that we had to come on to, to to replace those guys and other guys, and I think they weren't able to provide the energy on what was a, a tiring pack. Yeah, I, I think that's a very 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 well summed up. Um, I think like, the, 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 go on. Will Stewart, for example, was a, a perfect example. I, th- I thought in that first half he looked like the best tight prop in the world, carrying, t- defending, scrummaging, real nice. But he just out on his feet after thirty-five minutes, and and okay, that's an issue that needs to get a lot better. But if you can kind of count, if you can address that by bringing someone on off the bench who you've got a lot of trust in and that can do a not as good a job but a similar good job then you can afford for Stuart not to be quite as fit as he should be or having to play too much rugby. Yeah. But he's playing, having to play 65 minutes because it appears that they don't trust Darcy Ray. Yeah, I think... So on the, on the fitness point, there's a couple of things. So first of all, credit to Exeter because I think they do this to a lot of teams. I think they win a lot of their games late on mainly through fitness because they know that they can go longer, they can go faster than other teams, they can they can soak up pressure. So I think they they were quite happy with the very fast paced yeah. game early on in that half. You mentioned the first five minutes without without play. They had the ball for most of that. We made twenty four tackles in that first five minutes, they made four. They had the ball, we were in scramble defence as you say, and you could tell that players were even after that five minutes were, you know, um, arms behind the head already struggling. And you could hear it on the ref mic as the game went on. You know, Stuart Hogg came 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 up and said, you know, they're they're uh, they're really tired in, in in different language, and uh, I think they <laughs> they definitely identified that as as something uh, you know that, that in that last quarter they would 
we tire and they'd be able to come into ascendancy, which they did. So so fair play to Exeter, but I agree it's 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 not really good enough and it will definitely be something that that, that they'll look at. It'll definitely be something that Van Gran watching across in in, in Limerick will be looking at and thinking, I'm gonna be sorting that out over pre season. The the other side of the coin though, and kind of to spin it into a bit of a positive, you're right that fitness requires no effort. So it's therefore something that's kind of relatively easy to to solve. Mm. It's, it's, it, I'd be more concerned if we were if we were fit as a, if we we improved our fitness loads over the course of the season under under Hooper and Hatley, but the attacking game was still looking completely blunt. We were in the scrum, still going backwards every every week. There were the defense was you know shipping 50, 60 points a game like, like 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 it used to. So yeah, I think fitness definitely needs to improve, but. I think the other, the other, the other, the, the, the other way of looking at that is that you know it's quite easy to do that really. Week this week, no rugby, just fitness this week. You know, sometimes I want a week of just line out, uh, kick off receptions. This week, just I just want them getting beasted. I don't think you change it that sort of thing in a week though. I really don't. It's all right for us to to, to trot around a little, you know, five k run, but uh, <laughs> okay, nice five k professional sort of. You know, to to in a season that's so brutal, obviously they need to manage injuries. They can't just fog them for a week and a half because we'll have no players left. <laughs> but um, I think it's what I do though. And and it has been borne out in the last few games, Tom. I think you sent yeah. me a statistic regarding the second half performances. Oh. I think three point. I'm throwing you under the bus a bit. But... Cross that off the list then. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, you, you you give it to me. Say, I think you stole a, it off I someone. Say, I've got a question for you. Yeah, it was. You it texted was, it to me. Oh, I don't right, know if you... right, that would have been a bad question though. But I, the, the point was that I was going to make was it's not only that we start leaking tries when we get when we get knackered, but we don't score any of our own. <laughs> so yeah, last as as, as you know, Good combination. The last yeah, exactly. It's not a recipe for success, is it? The last three games, the second half of the three games, if that makes sense. So the last mm. 120 minutes that has been after half time. Yeah, we have scored three points. Yeah, uh, Danny Cipriani penalty against against Sale. So that's a fitness thing as well. And you can't really expect to win games if you're not firing a shot on either side of the ball for half the game. No, and Muir obviously came extremely close oh. with that with that knock on, which would have got us a point, which would have been ultimately so nice something. as well. Big Joe half break, mm. give it to Tom de Glanville, who kind of you know an Elliot Stook, Danny Cipriani s kind of pass to out wide, and he yeah takes the kick on. Oh. Should leave it though for Big Joe. I know, gonna... but everyone's it's frantic, isn't it? It's easier said than done. Yeah, very frustrating second half performance for sure, Tom. Um, and I think yeah, we we kind of touched on it. The only other point I just had was the 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 the, the malfunctioning lineout, which was really a whole game problem. Um, was 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 disappointing with Dunn and and Yules back in there. They should be getting that. They should be getting that right, and yeah. they just didn't help at all. No, and obviously the late Tom Dunn coming in late doesn't help that. But or, or he's got to be ready. You though. still you still you still expect it. You still expect it. Mm. Yeah. Discipline, though, we should mention. So six penalties overall, one in the first half, which is that last penalty for sealing off. Massive improvement. Mm. You know, we were tracking at 15, 16, even 17 for, for most of the season. So to have that down at six will be, will be very, and keeping it that tight will be, be very pleasing. Think to scale? Four. I think, I think a four is the correct reading on the thick to scale. And I think, I don't know whether that's, where we're at and whether maybe I should be a little bit more optimistic because given where we've come from, I think 
it's, you can be positive about the trajectory of the season, but I think it's still conceding 42 points, get, you know, losing by 20 points, not getting anything from the game. I think it's, yeah, I don't think I can go any higher than that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd shave it slightly. I think I'd go five. I'm not sure I've ever been lower than you, actually. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I used yeah, to be I the think, positive one. I think I'd go, I think, I think I'd go five. <laughs> We've been through a lot, Jim. <laughs> go five. So, yeah, as I said, we're starting, to, so we're starting to improve. I think attack's been better. I think we should say that Brent deserves some credit. I think the defence has been, has been better. Ultimately, we were beating Chiefs away until 64 minutes on the clock. We then let it get a bit ugly, but the scoreline does flatter them. So, yeah, I'll go, I'll go for a five, but... Ultimately, you can't have any complaints if you don't put the the, the, full, the full 80 together. Mm. And Brent deserves credit. Ryan Davis deserves credit as well because the attack in Danny, st- Danny Cipriani, you mean? In, in, in stages does look does look you a lot better. I, you, one more thing on that. So you can, I think, and I, I, this isn't again my own material. I don't really have any of my own material, but someone was saying on on Twitter that you can start to see sort of um, elements of Danny Cipriani in past seasons in Orlando Bailey and I kind of I don't know you even if you even if he was an identical twin of Darren Cipriani <laughs> you wouldn't admit this but the, the late passing the long balls taking it to the line you know tactical kicking I'm, I can see some hallmarks of the, the fact that at least he's been involved he's a quality 10 that's not Danny Cipriani not all 10s play like that not all 10s play like that at all He's a quality ten, and yeah, I thought he, he was really good again. When when he, when he had to go to fullback, we didn't score a point. So, so, so what does that tell you? So I'm one guy who we we have fallen out a little. Well, not fallen out, but one guy we have disputed a little bit on the podcast this season. His Bath career has come to an end for now, and that is Nathan Hughes, whose loan to Bath has finished. And I still don't think it was the right thing to do. So try and convince well, me. Well, I was going to say, you, you're all right. You look to be... you welling up a bit. <laughs> I'm be, fine. Be yeah, sure. I'm absolutely okay. fine. Thank you. He's, um... Thank you for checking in. <laughs> no, he's... I think he's been... He's been a, he's been a fun signing. He, I, I'm, I... You know, we need to have balance on this podcast, but I'm not going to get carried away with... Some of the some of the comments that I've seen and and some bar fans getting, um, I think overegging the cake, shall we say, as far as as far as Nathan Hughes goes. What I think is, <clears throat> what I think is best kind of the, the best kind of thing he's brought this season is that after all kind of the problems that he had, he's he's been having at, at Bristol, getting dropped, um, other stuff that that that, that that you know we know about. I think. Moving clubs has has kind of given him a bit of a you know a new a new lease of life, and I think it's definitely been clear that he's been enjoying his rugby. He's been playing with a very kind of carefree um, in a carefree way. He's been clearly rubbing off really positively on 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 guys around him, and I think that kind of attitude um, and uh, you know that that kind of smile on his face has rubbed off on a lot of supporters as well. And during what's been a pretty grim season, I think he has been actually an unlikely ray of light on the season. Would I want him on a long-term deal? No, no, I wouldn't because, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that energy would, would be, would be probably continued. And I, I think he should go and make his, make his money abroad. But I think he's been, he's been, he's been a good signing. He's brought some, some joy to what's otherwise been a dark season. And he has had some really good moments on the pitch. I mean, the ones that stand out for me, you know, those huge hits against Tyrone Green, 
um, Esther Hazen, one mm. against Leicester, and then in an attacking sense, carrying from the base, smashing over the line, that grubber kick through is that against Leicester for for that for that Ben Spencer try, outrageous moments like that that many ways in many, many ways the same way as Josh Matavesi that that put mm. smiles on faces and that that get people watching a club that otherwise has been in the doldrums. I don't. I don't disagree with that. Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I don't think it was the right move for us to do. But I must admit, watching him recently, I've started to to warm to him a little bit. So smiles on faces. That's what, exactly. that's what we need in a season during like like this. I, I think that's right, and he he's clearly a massive personality, and I think has helped. Has he helped the long-term development of our back row? Maybe not. Has he hindered it? Not really. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So thank you, Nathan, for for for, for kind of all of your efforts at Bath. I highly wow. doubt. Going to edit that. Out. I highly doubt you listen to this podcast. Um, but if you do, then thank you. And yeah, and all the best for the next move. All the best. Yeah. Be staying at Bristol. Maybe not staying at Bristol. One guy who's definitely not staying at Bristol and will be in the blue, black, and white next season, returning to the blue, black, and white. Tom is Dave Atwood. Well, let you go first on this one. The 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 lock re signs uh, after playing 157 games between 2011 and 2019. In my notes here, Tom, I've kind of put Atwood re signs. Um, it also looks a little bit like Atwood resigns. Yeah. So I think that's kind of more towards the career that I was expecting him. But no, this oh. is the this is the this is the the big second row signing that we've we've been promised. Um, and I think yeah, I, I feel a little bit grumpy at the moment because everyone on Twitter is extremely positive about so many things, blue, black, and white. But yeah, I think there's some really good changes going on at the club. Um, am I convinced that that this? That this is a, a a fantastic move for Bath. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. If I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, so a few things. So there may yet be another second row signing. We we we, we don't know what that will will look like. We don't know who's staying at the end of the season. You know, say if Will Spencer, Mike Williams, uh, both depart, then it's essentially only Charlie Yules and, and Josh McNally as frontline second rowers. So we might expect to to see another guy come through the door. We might have got. Dave Atwood on on quite a you know a, a, a basement value signing fee or, or wage if it is as rumoured that Bristol are having to ship guys out the door with with money problems so um, that definitely put a smile on my face when I when, when I saw that but I think on Atwood so when he left when he when he when he left Bath and went to Bristol I think he was a big part of what pushed them up the table over those over those couple of seasons you know on his day he's exactly the sort of second row that I think we need. You know, gnarly, strong set piece, hits rucks hard, hits tackles hard, uncompromising, and just just kind of not soft. And at times we've been way too soft in in that department. Obviously the the big question mark is as you say, is whether he's still that same Dave Atwood that, that we've seen in the past at age age thirty five. And it's hard to judge that this season because there's just not the body of work there. I mean, he's not played enough for, for Bristol this season. Mm. On last year's evidence, you would say that he, he he's still got some left in the tank. Whether that'll be the case when he when he when he joins next year, we don't know. So yeah, the, the jury's out for me. And I think I'd probably just side on the, the, the side of being 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 pleased with it, but only if he can keep himself fit and and and, and build some build some game time. I think the Bath in quite a difficult situation in terms of recruitment, Tom, because 
on the one hand, we look like a team which needs kind of mobile forwards that can can get around a little bit more and, and not be kind of outworked like we were on Saturday. But on the other hand, we need a power pack. And I just don't think we've kind of got either at the moment. Like, either you do go for that kind of bigger, gnarlier, bristling pack, but, but kind of lose a little bit at set-piece time, or you have more of a mobile pack and, and kind of... And, 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 yeah, they can get around the park. And I don't think Bath got even. I'm not sure kind of which, what solution Dave Atwood is, is, is kind of bringing to, to Bath at this stage of, of his career. And, and the second point would just be, I think that all of the other signings that we've had, and I detailed this on, on the podcast we did last week, and, and there's been another one which we'll come on to, but they all feel like they're Van Grand signings. And as long as Van Grand is happy with it, I'll be honest with you, I'm happy with it because I just want him to build a team that, that he's happy with. And I would just question whether, is this a Van Grand signing, or is this a Stuart Hooper, Neil Hatley signing? Well, we, we don't know. I think on the so the, the first point, so I don't think it's that clear a trade-off. I mean, you can still be a very fit team and a very um, strong set-piece, uncompromising mm. team. You look at that extra Chiefs pack that ran us ragged off the park. There's a back row of Dave Viewers, 125 kilos, 31. Sam Skinner, 27, 116 kilos at open side flanker. And then Jacques Vermeulen, 119 kilos, mm. 27. And they looked, you know, and we've got, got lighter guys, Josh Bayless, Sam Underhill, etc., mm. who are getting outrun. So I, I think it's just a question of improving our aerobic fitness, improving our stamina throughout the game, not just going out there and, and going hell for leather for, for 30 minutes and then and then puffing our way around the around most of the second half. So I don't think it's that 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 clear a trade-off. My sense is that we're going to have to bolster the second row a little bit more, whether that's with another big signing or a big signing. just depends on, on cap space and, and who will be going out the door as well. But yeah, it's all going to depend on can he get himself back fit. If he can get himself back to the form he showed, particularly last season for Bristol, I think we might look back and, and think that this was this was a shrewd signing from a club that ultimately are having to having to ship out some players. Maybe this is the sort of of, of player now that that we can attract at this point of the development of the, of the squad as well. So, yeah, when when you're bottom of the league, maybe you're not getting getting the the caliber of signing that, that perhaps um, perhaps you wanted. Tom, one guy that really is making me excited uh, as 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 a Bath fan is the signing of. Chris Clute from Munster. I believe I got the pronunciation absolutely spot on. The sixth signing of the season during the season. Um, he was the fifth, obviously, with that, that makes it six. Again, from Munster, five years at Munster, working under Van Gran and JP Ferreira. Uh, looks fantastic over the ball, Tom. What what have you seen of, of Chris Clute and what, what do you think he'll bring to the blue, black and white shirt? It was a name I was I was familiar with. I'd, I'd heard it and I'd, I'd seen a little bit of him. So he's he's clearly a very very sort of low kind of low center of gravity guy. Very very muscular. Very powerful. Strong carrier. Very good over the ball. Almost kind of reminds me of kind of David Pocock sort of mm. build when he gets over the ball in that low kind of jackal position. You just you just can't move him. So he looks yeah he looks good operator and I I I definitely take your point around the Van Gran Ferreira link and, and keeping that consistency. The only yeah I guess the only caveat for me is you know he's he's thirty one he's he's a flanker he's played flanker kind of you know I think basically all his career from what I can I can see. Do we need 
another flanker in that squad. Is that really where we we want to be? We want to be spending the cap. I mean, I see another monster signing coming across to the the Premiership this week, and that's in the form of John Ryan, who's a pretty handy tight head who's going across to to Wasps. Mm. Wasps have also brought in. Just had a complete mind blank. Who's the other tight head that they've mm. they brought in for for next season? Um, is it Cooper Woolley? No, it's Vincent Cock. Mm. And I just start. I just think when I look at our squad and I look at the issues that you're talking about with someone like Will Stewart, that's the sort of signing that I think I'd prefer to see at this point in time. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, if he's rated by Van Gran, then we all need to get behind that because we're we're buying it. We're buying the Van Gran ticket for next season. But I just question. Do we need a flanker? Perhaps not. Perhaps not. Chris Gluerty will be in action, Tom, this weekend in Munster's massive game. Uh, <laughs> Munster's massive game. Uh, Double header against Exeter. So, yeah, it'll be absolutely fascinating to see how they get on. And, and uh, is it time for me to throw to you for our latest edition of Munster Munch? Or do I need to talk for another couple of minutes whilst you can Google their, their, their results? Uh, but, yeah, no Munster- champ. Go on. Well, I'm fairly sorted. So they played, as I say, they had a big, big game against mm. against Leinster. I did actually do this, and I forgot to write anything down. Um, just having a quick look, just to remind myself of the score. But they fell, I believe, relatively narrowly to to yeah. Leinster. No, was it wide? Was it? Yeah, quite, quite wide. So this, wide. Won't, this won't be the fun, let it with it. <laughs> yeah, has to be. So yeah, Munster 1934 oh. to losers at Tom Park to Leinster in the. Um, Rugby Nations Cup, whatever they, whatever they're branding it as at the moment, yeah, two defeats in the week for Bath and and one defeat for Bath's new coach isn't isn't perhaps the the, the, the most fantastic of, of weeks for for us. I remember as well quite a lot of you sent me actually quite a lot of negative comments from mm. from Munster fans saying you know Van Grand should have gone ages ago all that kind of thing. Take that with a massive pinch of salt. To be honest, I mean he he's obviously chosen to go and taken the defence coach with them and now taken what a couple of couple of players with them as well. So in, in, in Gallagher and and, and Clote. So yeah, doesn't doesn't look like the, 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 the best result. Obviously fifteen points down to, to Leinster who look an absolute force at the moment. It's essentially the the Irish team. So um yeah, but it'll be interesting to see them in action. Any, any, of, a, our, any of our new boys playing? Clote so or Gallagher? Gallagher was on the bench. Um, oh, did you see the stuff about Damien Dialonde? So it looks like that's it looks like that's completely dead. So mm-hmm. he, was, he was asked about it and said that there'd, there'd be no essentially no contact from Bath, and he he you know he, um, looks like he'll be going either back to South Africa or over to over to France. So yeah, I guess what what that kind of means for our, our broader squad again, probably centres doesn't really feel like the area where we need to no. we need to add, particularly with those those younger guys who have made their made their. Um, you know, really done well this season, but yeah. So Cloutier was starting at seven, and Matt Gallagher starting fifteen. So obviously Van Graan wanting them to, to 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 keep getting game time before before they come over come over to the West Country. It will be fascinating as well to see how Munster get on this weekend against. It's a good Exeter. comparator, isn't it? Good, nice little comparator, Tom. I think we uh, we've got plans together on Saturday. I'm not sure what time or when when that game is, but yeah, I'm certainly keen to to view the the, the boys in red. Five thirty uh, kickoff. By Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah, very nice. Oh, very, very nice <laughs> indeed. Nice, nice birthday treat for me to see Van Gran and, and our <laughs> other boys in action. Yeah. 
birthday mission not to not not to make you remember it too much on the, on the Sunday as well, mate. But yeah, if you obviously no rugby for Bath this weekend, so yeah, I would implore Bath fans to to get behind the the Munster men and and yeah, if they could turn over extra, I think that would be be a nice thing for for us all to watch. Nice bit of revenge in some way, in some weird weird way, mate. Some weird weird way. Um, and then Bath's next game, Tom, as we look ahead, will be in the Challenge Cup. We believe. We believe uh, in the weekend of the 16th of April. Now, we are we will be playing one of the qualifiers from the Challenge Cup. <clears throat> now, the last round of the Challenge Cup is this upcoming weekend, the weekend of the 9th of April. Hence, we do not know who we'll be playing. The kind of... Teams are broken down in in kind of order of where they qualify from the Challenge Cup, and then the six teams that dropped into that competition from the Heineken Cup, one of which is Bath, will then be matched off against one of the the teams from the Challenge Cup. Now, Tom, I think as Bath were the kind of fourth qualifier in 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 the oh. Challenge Cup, the fourth, fifth, so second last. So second last means that we'll be playing the team that finished third in the in the Challenge in the Challenge Cup. Which looks to be—is that right, or is it the? So we finished. We were, we were second bottom, mm-hmm. so fifth out of sixth for that. Getting deja vu from when we weren't <laughs> recording, but now we are recording. We should probably sort this out. Yeah. So we came. Heineken Cup ranked fourth. Plays the Challenge Cup. So Heineken, Heineken Cup fifth. ranked fifth. Yeah. Plays the Challenge Cup ranked fourth. Right. Well, you—that's not what you said to me prior to the podcast. Okay. So to, it looks like Toulon will finish top, or no, Leon will finish top. Toulon will be second, and then it looks for third and fourth to be between Gloucester and Edinburgh, who both have relatively easy games, I believe, against Dragons and Poe, yeah, in their respective pools. So, assuming they both win and the bonus point situation stays the same, we will play Edinburgh. There we go. I think that is what we, we I think we, that's we what did we get thought. to that by hook or crook. Yeah. We got to that by hook or crook a few weeks ago. We got to it by hook or crook about an hour ago, and we just got to it in live time. It's annoying that it's so sudden in some ways. It's annoying that we we don't know the you know who we're playing a couple of weeks ago because it would have been nice to organise you know a, a quick a quick trip up to Edinburgh to watch that, but probably be too short notice. Mm, might well be, but yeah. So. Tune into the Munster game, tune into the Challenge Cup, and then, yeah, Bath will be playing next weekend. So tune in to the podcast ahead of that game, and we'll give you all of the breakdown. Hit subscribe, as I said at the start of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, please spread the word. No games this weekend, but still stick behind the boys and the Munster boys through thick and thin.